Hello and welcome to High Heels and Heartache. I am your host, Kendall Ann Combs. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode is really fun. Um, I chat with therapist Sharon Martin about unsolicited advice. Sharon defines unsolicited advice for me. She tells me why people give unsolicited advice, how to stop yourself from giving unsolicited advice, and what to do if you receive unsolicited advice. It was a ton of fun chatting with her, and I learned a lot. But before we jump into that, I have big news. I have co-authored a book with Dr. Amelia Kelly. If her name sounds familiar, um, it's probably because she's been on this show several times. Um, So the book is called What I Wish I Knew, Surviving and Thriving After an Abusive Relationship. It's really a one-of-a-kind resource that combines the experience of a person who is in an abusive relationship, that's me, um, with the insight of a therapist who um, specializes in trauma. It's a great resource for anyone who's been in an abusive relationship, um, anyone who has a family or friend who is in an abusive relationship, and also other clinicians who are working with survivors of abuse. So pre-sale starts this Friday, November the 26th. So after you celebrate Thanksgiving the next day, don't forget to jump on Amazon or uh, any other place that you buy your books and purchase What I Wish I Knew, Surviving and Thriving After an Abusive Relationship. Thank you so much for your support. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. So coming right up, Dr. Sharon Martin. Everybody, I have the fabulous Sharon Martin on with me today. Hey, Sharon. Hi. So before we dive into the big questions about unsolicited advice, um, can you just tell us a little bit about what you do in your day job when you're not talking to podcasters? Sure. I do do a, a couple of things, I guess, like most of us these days. Um, <laughs> I am by training uh, a psychotherapist. So I'm a licensed therapist in California and I have um, an online practice now seeing um, clients. And then I also um, am an author. I've written a couple of self-help books around some of these topics. Um, then I also do a lot of content creation, um, blogging and enjoy making things like worksheets and handouts and, you know, quick things to kind of help people um, with various self-improvement and mental health and well-being types of um, issues. So that's what I do. Oh, as a former teacher, you saying you make worksheets, you're, you're singing my favorite tune there. <laughs> <laughs> well, lots of times on this show, I have um, guests on because listeners have written in and said, Kendall Ann, can you find an expert on this, that, and the other? But honestly, Sharon, you're on this one because to help me. so I found your article on unsolicited advice and I was like oh I need some help on this and it is because I do not receive it well um I believe I was born this way I grew up my whole life telling my siblings you are not the boss of me um (laughs) 
So I, from very early, I've been kind of bristly about unsolicited advice. So I'm really looking forward in our discussion for you to teach me how to not be quite as mean and rude to people when they do give me unsolicited advice. But the first thing we got to do is kind of baseline. What is unsolicited advice? Sure. I would consider any advice that you have not explicitly asked for to be unsolicited. And I think sometimes it's it's very direct. Somebody is literally saying to you, I think you should do A, B, and C. Other times it's a little bit more subtle or sometimes it's even more passive aggressive in its approach. So I would say sometimes it's easy to spot that that's what's going on, but other times it might not be quite so obvious that somebody's giving you sort of the hints like, you know, maybe you should think about this or I did this and therefore maybe you should do it too. Um, So we want to kind of look out for those other kinds of unsolicited advice. And I think often we, the the way to tell what's going on is is to really think about what what your reaction is to it. Um, And as you were saying, I think when you're, you know, you're getting that little prickly feeling and you're, you know, the hairs on your back of your neck are standing up. You're like, hmm, this doesn't feel right. I wasn't looking for somebody to tell me what to do in this situation. Maybe I was just needing to offload about something that's been bothering me. And now I'm getting, you know, somebody else's ideas on how to solve this problem. I, I might not even be looking to solve it at all, honestly. Um that's the that's the cue. Like, hmm, I need to look at what's going on here and and see if I am getting this unsolicited advice. I'm having somebody sort of turn this conversation in a different direction than what I was looking for. So when we let's just say totally hypothetical example, <laughs> let's say you would call someone and you just really want to vent about, I don't know, a problem with a coworker or whatever, the unsolicited advice you might receive would just be, could be just blatant, like, oh, Kendalia, you should tell them this. Mm-hmm. Or it could be more passive, but it's still them kind of telling you what to do. Yeah, it could be like maybe instead of telling you directly what to do, I start telling you a story about how I had a difficult coworker and what I did about it. And the implication is that this is the solution and you could solve your problem with your coworker the same way that I solved my problem with my coworker. Okay. And I mean, the the point isn't necessarily whether it's actually good advice or not. The point (laughs) is that you didn't ask for it, right? You didn't say, hey, friend, I'm having this coworker problem. What do you do? Can you help me out with some ideas on, on, you know, strategies for dealing with this difficult person? Mm -hmm. So I I like it in your article. (laughs) You say, um, 
Regardless of your intentions, giving advice that isn't wanted can be annoying, intrusive, and even manipulative. And you have this example of a manipulative kind of unsolicited advice tactic. And I was like, oh my gosh. So you said, um, Beverly leaves AA pamphlets and self-help books about addiction around the house as a not so subtle message that she thinks her wife needs to drink less. Mm -hmm. Wife feels angry and is tired of Beverly's nagging. I thought that that was such a good example because in that case, Beverly probably thought she was being helpful. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think they're being helpful with their advice. I mean, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And so I think that's a, a decent place to start is to assume that people have good intentions and they really do want to help you. They think that they've got a good idea um, or their opinion is right or their way of doing something is a good way to do it. I think that's true for most of us, um, whether we're giving unsolicited advice or not, it's easy, us, easy for us to default to hey, this is, this is helpful. It works for me or it works for my, you know, cousin's sister's brother. And now I have this interesting information, this helpful, you know, resource or way of doing things. And I want to share it with people. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, it definitely isn't necessarily this malicious um, thing that people are doing. I think with this example, though, we do want to think about how, even good intentions can be passive aggressive and <laughs> right. I mean, and it doesn't feel good to be the person on the receiving end of, of the AA pamphlets or uh, whatever it is, you know, because if you're not looking to make that change, then it feels like somebody is like forcing their agenda onto you. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not we're not really considering where is this person at with this situation, with this struggle? I'm seeing it as a problem. Mm -hmm. Do they see it as a problem? Um, right. In, in the in the um, example with the AA pamphlets, we don't even know if the partner feels like the drinking is a problem or not. Um, but even if they do think it's a problem, that doesn't mean they want your opinion on how to solve the problem. Exactly. So <clears throat> we've kind of established that people give unsolicited advice, either in direct ways, <laughs> passive aggressive ways, and they do it because they think that they're being helpful. Um, you, are, I love how you say like sometimes you get excited about things and you want to share them and you might give unsolicited advice because of that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I will raise my hand for that. I think that I'm guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, I just found a new recipe or a new, you know, skin product. And I think it's fabulous. And so I want to tell you how it's going to, you know, make your skin so much better or your, you know, holiday meal so much better. Um, right. And then again, it comes from a place of, of wanting to be helpful, just to share something that I'm excited about that I think is a great thing. You also say, and I was like, oh, this was kind of like an aha moment for me. You also say that some people do it to re, they give unsolicited advice because it's reducing their own anxiety. So mm -hmm. how does giving someone 
advice they don't necessarily want to get (laughs) make the advice giver have less anxiety? Well, I think we have to remember that it's it's not actually a solution to our own anxiety. It is a very temporary uh, way to feel better in that moment because it, it feels like I'm doing something to make a change. So again, we could go back to this example of, of the woman who has a partner who is drinking too much. If, if that's, let's just pretend that's me. Um, and I feel anxious about that situation, but there's not a lot that I can do about it. If my partner isn't interested in making a change, mm-hmm. I'm going to be full of anxiety about that. Um, and so leaving the the pamphlets or even directly saying, hey, I think you should go to a meeting or have you thought about talking to your doctor about it? That makes me feel like I have some control, like there's something that I can do to make an impact, to influence the way that you're, you know, behaving or the way that you're thinking and feeling about this. The truth is that, you know, my unsolicited advice may probably will not more likely <laughs> it's probably not going to actually lead to the changes that i i'm hoping that it will and and the other thing we have to consider is sometimes it it backfires um that because we have given the advice in an unsolicited sort of intrusive way that the other person is going to push back and we're going to get defensiveness right they're not receptive to the advice because we haven't set it up in a way where we're being respectful in the way that we're offering the advice. So we're more likely to have that person say, whoa, I didn't ask for, you know, your opinion on this. I'm not looking, you know, for your ideas about how to handle my drinking. Um, So in that situation, it, it can absolutely have the opposite effect from what we're actually trying to accomplish. Um, so clearly that, that would not really solve my anxiety about my partner's drinking. Um, yeah. but does and that make sense how in the moment, um, you know, in that very short term when I'm, you know, I'm leaving those pamphlets, I think, oh, yes, I'm like, I'm going to, you know, this is going to be the thing. I'm going to, um, you know, leave the thing and maybe uh, he'll he'll find it and um, change his mind. Yeah. So what's wrong? with giving unsolicited advice. Like we're talking about how <clears throat> when people are giving it, they're most likely trying to be helpful or trying to, or they're excited about, you know, keto diet or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or they're they're trying to ease their own anxiety. But why is it not so good? Well, I think like I was already starting to touch on, we want to think about, how this affects the relationship that we have with the other person. Mm-hmm. And I think what often happens is, is it can either come across as it's a criticism mm-hmm. as if we don't trust the other person to figure out how to solve their own problems and they need us. So there's almost an element of, I know something more than you do, or somehow I'm, you know, superior to you, even if we're not consciously thinking that, or even using a tone of voice that suggests that that can be the way that it's received, because it's not delivered in a way where there's 
you know, that we're really having equity in our relationships. Um, Sharon, I'm, that's one yeah. of the reasons why I hate it so much. Because it feels like I know better than you about your own situation. That's one of the things that makes me crazy about it. Yes, right. And, and again, how are you going to respond to that? Right. It doesn't it doesn't come to you in a way where you want to receive that information, even if it is great information or <laughs> actually great advice. Um, it's not going to, it's not going to go over well if the person is not looking for solutions, if they're not looking for your expertise or your advice on things, it, it really conveys that lack of trust in the other person. Um and, and it can also just feel controlling. Like, mm-hmm. now you're telling me this is what I have to do or this is the only way to do it, the best way to do it. Um, and, and again, I think going back to that piece about the equity, that feels like one person is, is con- trying to control what the other person is doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I also like that you point out um, that... It can feel, if you do it more than once, (laughs) like you're (laughs) nagging the person. And they didn't even ask for your help in the first place. Right. Then it really really becomes my agenda of I'm saying, oh, you know, have you applied for that job yet? Uh, It's probably going to be filled. And then the next day, oh, have you gotten on that job? Did you update your resume? You know, day after day. Is that actually going to be motivating somebody No, probably not. Again, it's probably (laughs) demotivating, making them irritable, angry, resentful. Um, And those are all things that are corrosive to our relationships, but they also do not, you know, get either person really any closer to what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And a lot of times, and you note this in your article as well, I feel like if I'm calling to kind of tell you what happened and maybe your advice is different than what I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it feels like you're criticizing me. Yes, I think. And I may have used this example in the article as well. I think a really common example of this is somebody has an argument with their partner or they break up with their partner and they but when they talk to their best friend about it and the friend being very well-meaning says, oh yeah, I never liked him or, you know, he was a loser. I think you should break up with him. I can't believe, you know, he cheated on you. And, you know, there's this advice on what you should do with the relationship. And then what if you get back together, you know, with the boyfriend or you forgive your partner and, you know, now you've got this awkwardness between you and your friend because you suggested they do something something with the relationship that they didn't actually do. Um, and, you know, they had a different solution. It, again, it's, it's not a question of, you know, who was really right or wrong. Um, it's more the issue of it doesn't, doesn't create a strong friendship for you to be inputting your advice on what other people should do with their life, um, especially when they make different choices. It feels like maybe you're not going to be supportive of that different choice. Absolutely. And you also say that, um, and this to me, I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought of this to be irritated about. (laughs) Add this to my list. um, That it also undermines someone's ability to figure out what's right for them 
and solve their own problems. Right. If I'm, if I'm just constantly telling you what to do, I think this happens a lot with kids, especially young adult children is if their parents continue to just keep telling them what to do, what the right choices are to make. How do you ever learn how to make your own decisions? It becomes this over-reliance on somebody else to make decisions for you. And then it gets into a strange place, I think, also of, um, you know, if, if your parent tells you what to do, no matter how old you are, and then you do it, Um, And then it's easy to say to blame them if it doesn't work out. So we get into this strange, you know, place about who's responsible for it. You ultimately made the decision to do something or not do something. um, But it might have been because somebody suggested, advised you to do it. Um, I think then that that creates a, a challenge in that relationship where now I might be angry with you thinking, well, you gave me bad advice. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. So when we're giving unsolicited advice, we're making people feel like we're being criticized. We're taking away someone's kind of autonomy to solve their own problems. We're making them feel defensive. Mm -hmm. Um, We're making them feel like we know better. Um, And you also touched on something Um, right there about how then someone might rely on another person for their advice. Um, And you, and you say that there's a link between codependency and unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. But first, what the heck is codependency really? Because I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. You know, it's on. It's kind of like a buzzword. Um, it but is. I yeah. don't really know. What the heck is codependency? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked, although it's not an easy thing to define, I will say, because there's a lot of moving pieces to it. Um, so part of it is we're codependent when we are overly focused on other people. So our our focus is on something outside of ourselves, And usually this is other people, other people's problems, taking care of other people. And then that does create this unbalance in the relationship where everything that I'm doing is about somebody else and what they need and how I can make them happy. Mm-hmm. And then by default, I'm, I'm, neglecting myself to some extent. I'm not really paying attention to what I need or how I feel because so much of my focus and my energy is being spent thinking about what other people need. Um, And then we can get into this place where we really don't take very good care of ourselves. We get exhausted. um, And I think resentment is often a very common feeling that's part of it. Which makes sense because when you're not taking good care of yourself and you're also, you're not really letting other people take care of you either because you tend to get into relationships with people that need a lot, either, you know, physically or emotionally, um, which allows you to do all that giving. Um, They don't tend to be very reciprocal um, in offering, you know, to take care of you or be concerned about what you need as well. So there's that that lopsidedness to the relationship. 
So was, yeah. You, so you might you might kind of veer <laughs> towards codependency. It might be a red flag that you veer towards codependency if you find yourself wanting to offer unsolicited advice a lot and fix other people's problems. Yes, I would say that's fair to say. I mean, there's, like I said, there's other pieces to it for sure. But I think, yes, if somebody is listening and and saying, wow, you know, I am giving unsolicited advice all the time. That's definitely a problem for me. I think it would be worth looking at the codependency piece because, you know, just like you said, it's, it's definitely connected because, I think a lot of people who are giving unsolicited advice are are genuinely trying to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So and and it's it is you you know it is kind of breaking a boundary there when you're giving unsolicited advice. It's Absolutely. not it, it can, you know because it does make people feel I don't I feel kind of attacked when it happens, but maybe people don't have quite as bad of a reaction as I do. Well, I think it depends on how often it's happening and maybe how it's being delivered too. But, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it doesn't feel good to be the one who's getting all of this unsolicited advice. No, it doesn't. So for those people out here who right now are thinking, oh, shoot, I give unsolicited advice and it's probably coming from a good place, but how can they stop doing it? Mm-hmm. Well, the most straightforward way to deal with it is, first of all, we want to be aware of what we're doing, right? I mean, it's hard to make changes if we're not aware of our own behavior. So hopefully that's one one outcome of listening to this, this episode today is just greater awareness that this is something that you're doing. And then from that place of awareness, what I would suggest that you do is just pause before offering the advice and ask the other person if they would like your advice, your suggestions, your input on whatever it is that they are talking to you about rather than just giving it. And by simply asking, you're showing respect for the other person because it allows them to say, yes, that would be helpful, or no, actually, I'm not looking for solutions right now, or I just wanted to vent about this. And then we need to respect whatever their decision is about it. So if the person says, no, I really don't want any advice, we're going to have to work hard at not giving it, (laughs) right? And uh, it's not easy to do if you're somebody who has been, you know, doing this with with some level of unconsciousness about it, that it just kind of happens. It feels like, oh, it just kind of slips out of my mouth. Um, You may find yourself, you know, biting your tongue or (laughs) clenching your fists or whatever it is you need to do. Um, Just listen rather than (laughs) talk. (laughs) And, you know, uh, one thing that my mom and I have worked out Um, because she used to be an unsolicited advice giver. Okay, she listens to this. I don't care. Mom, you used to be an unsolicited advice giver, okay? (laughs) Um, But lots of times now, like when I call my mom, if I just want to tell her about my crappy day, I call her and I say, mom, I'm going to tell you what happened today. And I just want you to agree with me. I don't want you to say anything else other than, oh my God, Kendalyn, I can't believe that. Mm -hmm. 
And that's, that, that's really helpful. But if you don't have people in your life who are telling you that kind of thing, you say, you say this, and I love this. You have a list of questions to ask yourself before you start giving the unsolicited advice. Um, so can you kind of just talk to us about some of those questions to ask yourself before you, you let it rip? Sure. I'll be honest with you. I don't have the list in front of me, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to wing it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I got it. it. <laughs> you can, you can fill, fill me and refresh my memory on what I actually <laughs> said, but, but yes, I think one, one thing that comes to mind is definitely to think about why am I giving this advice? Mm-hmm. Right. Because then that taps into this idea of, okay, is this because I feel anxious about the situation? In which case, what would be a more effective way for me to reduce my anxiety? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, you might ask yourself, um, how do I think this other person is going to respond mm-hmm. to this? Or what response am I looking for? Which I think is another clue that if you are, are hoping that they are going to respond in a particular way, they're going to say, oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. I never thought about that. Or they're going to do the action item that you suggest. That tells me that I am overly invested in the outcome of somebody else's choices. <laughs> right? I am giving this advice because I clearly have um, you know, an outcome that I am looking for you to take. I want you to do this specific thing. And if you don't, I'm probably going to be disappointed. My feelings might be hurt. Um, something along those lines, which again, is like, we're kind of getting it all muddled up here about both who's responsible for what and whose life this is and who should be making the decisions about how you're going to live it. Yeah. I love the the one question that you love. I starred this and highlighted it. Um, Ask yourself before you give the unsolicited advice, can I accept that my ideas aren't the only good ideas. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I love <Right>. that one. <laughs> that, yes, that's where we get into this very rigid way of thinking. It's like sort of like we got the blinders on and thinking, well, this is what worked for me or this is in alignment with my set of values. So this is what I think is the solution. And I would say the vast majority of times there are a multitude of ways that people can solve problems that are going to be effective. Mm-hmm. And we also have to remember that we're all different people. So literally what works for me might not work for you just because we're different people with different personalities or different strengths or different challenges, different lifestyles and so forth. Um, so right, that kind of just goes back to there's a lot of presumption that goes into giving that advice. It's as if like you were, were my twin, then of course it would work for you, but you're not. Exactly. So if you are a more passive person and you're having a problem with a coworker or yeah. someone else at your job and you call mm-hmm. your friend just to vent about it and that person is like, well, you should tell them X, Y, and Z. If you're a passive person, you're never going to do that. <laughs> so right. yeah. it's just frustrating. Yeah, it's a great example because 
if we let the other person figure it out for themselves, they might be able to come up with a strategy to deal with that. That is something that they can actually do. They're actually going to implement it because it feels like it's in alignment with who they are mm-hmm. and right. And their personality and so forth. And again, I think that's just such a great example because now I can imagine that if that happened and then I didn't go and say that to the coworker the way that you suggested, I might feel embarrassed. Maybe I don't even want to talk to you about it anymore because somehow I feel like, well, I didn't do the quote unquote right thing. I didn't handle it the way Kendall Ann said I should handle it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That really could alienate you. Yeah, I think there's a big piece of it that that is if you're giving me unsolicited advice and I don't want advice or maybe that's just not the right advice for me, I think I'm a lot less likely to just come and talk with you about things. Mm-hmm. Right. If if what I'm looking for is that support, that listening, just like you were describing with your mom, you know, if she kept on with the advice you probably stop calling her when you were having a bad day because you didn't want to just keep getting the advice, right? Advice you weren't looking for, advice that wasn't right for you. So again, I think that can create that wedge in a relationship where um, we're no longer just being able to talk freely and openly and honestly about things. Okay, but let's say our friend calls us and tells us about this issue that she's having. And we ask ourselves the questions, Mm -hmm. you know, are there other good ideas or how could I be supportive without giving this unsolicited advice? But Sharon, I have a really good idea about how to solve her problem. (laughs) What do I do? Well, if, if you asked her if she wanted your advice, and she said, no, I think you need to respect that and, and not to give the advice. Maybe you just write it down on a piece of paper and say someday. <laughs> just get it out of your body. <laughs> I'm going to have the Inlanders column or write a book with all my fabulous advice for somebody who wants it. Um, well, like I said earlier, I think if somebody specifically says, no, I don't want the advice, and then you give it, it's really hurtful to that relationship because you have directly crossed that boundary when they yeah. told you up front, I don't want you to give me advice. Yeah. So if if we feel that we just have something that we need to say and the person hasn't told us, don't give me advice, then is it okay to ask them if we can give them advice. Yes. Okay. I I think it should be okay to ask. Um, And the other person should feel free to say no. I mean, I think that's what we want to make sure is that it's not somehow asking the question is, is really, I don't know. I'm not quite sure how to say that. I think sometimes we ask questions and it's almost like it's a rhetorical question. So I'm going to give you the advice anyway. So you want to make sure that you're asking and really giving space and permission for them to genuinely say no. And again, depending on the particulars of that relationship, maybe you even say a little bit more where you specifically say, and it's okay if you don't want the advice, I'll be okay with that. It's not going to hurt my feelings or something where you're really letting them know that they can say no, and you're going to respect that. 
Yeah. And you, you give suggestions about kind of how to ask that question about, you know, offering that advice. And mm-hmm. two of them, I was like, okay, if someone said these two to me, I'd probably be like, yeah, tell me what I should do. <laughs> so the first one you said it, a suggestion would be, would it be most helpful for me to give you advice or for me to listen? Mm-hmm. I love that, right? Because then you're giving that person permission to say, no, I just want to talk about, you know, how horrible Claudia is. And I yeah. don't want you to tell me how to fix it. Um, and then the other one, which I loved was, I've been through something similar. Can I tell you about what worked for me? Mm-hmm. I love that because a lot of times we, so, me, okay, not we, me, <laughs> maybe I'm getting feeling like someone's being critical to me when they're giving me unsolicited advice, but it's because I don't know that they've gone through something similar and maybe they learned a hard lesson that Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to learn if I listened to their advice. Yes, it's possible, right? If somebody said that to you, you actually might be more receptive to their advice because you realize where it's coming from. But I think the important thing is that, again, there's a choice that's being offered that you can choose to have the advice or you can choose not to have the advice. And probably in in the majority of cases, this isn't a one time offer of the advice as if if you don't take it now, (laughs) I'm never going to tell you now or never. (laughs) Right. I mean, so that could be another thing that you say is that, you know, if now is not the right time for me to share my experience with you or my suggestions with you, that's, it's a standing offer. You know, you're welcome to just come and let me know if you ever do want to hear it. Hmm. Um, Okay. Now the next part, this is where you're going to have to teach me. How do I respond kindly (laughs) if someone does give me unsolicited advice? What are some things that I can do that won't damage the relationship with that person, but also mm-hmm. kind of set the boundary of, I don't need your advice right now. Yeah, we, we want to be direct about what it is that we need, how we want the other person to change their behavior in the situation. Because if we don't explicitly tell them, it's not fair to expect that they're going to know what it is we want or need if we don't come right out and say it but oh that's a really good point you're absolutely right right. (laughs) because a lot of times we just go around feeling resentful and you know or maybe I just I'm not going to call you for a couple of weeks because I'm annoyed about the way you gave me that advice but if I don't ever tell you that I don't want it then the other person is of course they're going to continue doing it um so so that's definitely number one is be clear about what it is you want the person to change, mm-hmm. but do it in a kind way. And one thing I will say about this is it's possible that that it may be difficult to have this conversation in the moment mm-hmm. because you might feel pretty upset about it. You know, I'm imagining if I was having a conversation with you and I was sharing something that was really difficult um, and then you're giving me the unsolicited advice. I mean, not only am I upset about the advice giving, but I also just haven't gotten the support, the listening, the empathy that I was looking for. So I could be really hurting 
in that situation, which might make it hard for me to say in a kind way, you know, I know that you're trying to be helpful. However, this isn't the kind of help that I really need right now. That's such a great point because a lot of times we're calling friends or family because we have something has happened that's got us emotionally charged up and we need to talk about it. And so if we're trying to vent about something that's emotional and the person that we're venting to is then (laughs) bringing out more emotion in us, like that's probably not the best choice. Mm-hmm. So if it's not some, if it's not a conversation that you can have in the moment, um, you can revisit this with somebody. And I think especially if it's somebody who's a repeat offender of, of the unsolicited <laughs> advice, you know, if this is a, you know, your mother, or your partner, or your best friend, somebody that you have an ongoing relationship with. Yeah. You know, it actually might be good to have a conversation separate from when this is actually happening, but just, you know, a time when, you know, you're calm, you've had time to think about things and collect your thoughts. And then you're going to say, hey, you know, this has been troubling for me or this has been hurtful for me, you know, and going forward, I would like for us to do things differently. Um, and then, you know, maybe um You say, what I'm going to do going forward is when I call you, I'm going to just let you know at the beginning of the conversation if I want advice or whether I just want listening, you know, just like you were um, saying that you do with your mom. That way, you know, the person will know what's going to happen, how it's going to be different, how you're going to behave differently going forward. Um, You know, if it's just a random stranger who's, you know, giving you advice while you wait in line you know, at the movies or something, I mean, the different situation, you know, I would just as politely as you can, you know, say, you know, thanks for your advice. I'm not really looking, you know, for advice right now or, (laughs) you know, try to move places or something. Um, Yeah. But it's, no, it's a different situation, but, you know, even though it can be irritating, it's not really as, as big a deal as it is when it's somebody that you're actually in a close relationship. Yeah. And I can tell you, since I've started that with my mom, most times at the end of one of those conversations, I say to my mom, what do you think I should do? (laughs) Isn't that interesting how that actually shifted it? Yeah. I mean, I think so often that we really need to just feel heard and understood before mm-hmm. we're ready to move on to the solution part of things. And again, that might be, you know, there might be multiple conversations or, a, you know, a period of time that needs to go um, go past before you're ready for the solutions. But I think it's, you know, people are often just so quick to, oh, here's the solution that we skip over the validation and the listening part of it, but it doesn't work as we've been talking about. It just doesn't work if you skip over that part in your relationships with people, because we need that. It's essential for us to feel like we're understood and we're validated. And people say, yes, I understand why that's frustrating for you or, you know, why you're upset about that. Mm -hmm. So, so the big takeaways that I'm getting are if you are an unsolicited advisor, <laughs> mm-hmm. that if someone is venting to you, just take a second and before you give the unsolicited advice, ask them if they want it. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. And if you're calling someone to vent, sometimes it's a good idea to lay it out right at the beginning. Hey, I just want to vent to you right now. I'm not looking for a solution. I just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are, are, are both helpful ideas. So Sharon, what you're telling me is that in relationships, if you communicate, they go better. <laughs> is that what you mean? <laughs> well, yes, but it's all in the way that you communicate, right? Because this <laughs> is communication. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I think what we're, what we're getting at is we want to make sure that there's that, the element of respect and mutuality really comes through in in the communication. And it's not me trying to kind of bulldoze, you know, with my ideas, but I'm really interested in what you have to say. And I, and I really believe that you're a fully functional person who can figure stuff out and you're completely capable. Um, That doesn't mean I don't have anything of benefit to add, but -hmm. it just doesn't mean that you necessarily need my ideas to figure out your own life. Yeah. But if you want them, then I will share them with you. I love that. So thank you very much for this. This has been really good for me. (laughs) I can already feel personal growth happening right now. I'm not going to get so upset when people give me unsolicited advice. I'm going to keep the printout of your article handy. And when they do it, I'm just going to read one of those sentences (laughs) that you give so, so that I can feel better about it. What what I also saw that you wrote a book. What did you write a book about? I did. I wrote a book about boundaries. So oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very pertinent topic. It gets into you know some of these issues and many more, of course. Um, so it's called the Better Boundaries Workbook, and it's a great, great resource for anybody who is struggling with their boundaries, not sure how to communicate them, not sure how to figure out what boundaries you need and how to set boundaries in a whole bunch of different areas um, of your life. And it's a workbook, which I think is great because it gives people the opportunity to actually practice the skills. There's a lot of exercises and reflective questions and things along those lines so that people can actually, you know, put it into practice and learn how to do it. Wonderful. So do you have anything that's upcoming that we should keep an eye out for after we buy your Better Boundaries book? What what else should we keep our eye out for? <laughs> you know, I, I don't have anything else big in the pipeline here. So that's it for the moment. The, yep, if that's of interest and sounds helpful to people, please go grab a copy of the Better Boundaries workbook. And then over on my website, I've got lots lots more articles and, and other of those free resources that I mentioned earlier that I like the, making. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to point out. When I was looking at your website, when I was going to contact you, I was like, this is a busy woman. She is, she is fabulous. <laughs> well, it, it takes, yes, over the course of many years, but <laughs> yes, there is lots of stuff there for people to use. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation and come back anytime. Okay. Thanks so much. It was great chatting with you. Bye-bye. Thanks again, Dr. Sharon Martin, for taking the time to chat with me. I really enjoyed our conversation and learned a ton. Uh, Don't forget, 
starting November the 26th, you can order your copy of What I Wish I Knew, Surviving and Thriving After an Abusive Relationship, co-authored by me. If you are in an unsafe or abusive relationship, there is help available. Please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Again, that number is 1-800-799-SAFE. 